UpToDate wants to know what you're talking about with family and friends. You can text UTD to 816-601-4777 to tell us. Again, 816-601-4777. This is Up to Date on KCUR 89.3. I'm Steve Kraske. Most of us know that 2022 was another deadly year of gun violence in Kansas City. In fact, it was the city's second deadliest year ever with 171 killings. Now the question is, what's the city going to do about it? A new program, Partners for Peace, is now in operation, and it aims to offer social services to victims of violent crime, those who are likely to commit crimes, and those who have served time. The idea is to stop people from falling into the grip of crime as a way to live a life. But what's needed to make a program like Partners for Peace successful? Let's find out. With us, Gene Peters-Baker is the Jackson County Prosecutor. Gene, it's always good to have you here. Welcome. Good morning. Melissa Johnson leads Partners for Peace. She's also the Deputy Chief of Staff to Mayor Lucas. Melissa, good to have you too. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. So, Gene, how big of a challenge do we have on our hands right now, considering that 2022 was the second deadliest year when it comes to homicides in city history? Yeah, that's a, a pretty awful number. Um <clears throat> However, we know some things. We've learned some things over the last uh, several years. And we know from our own history here in Kansas City that when we all work together, when we all collaborate, we can reduce violence. It's, it's not just a theoretical discussion we're having. It can be done. I know that because it has been done, not just in other cities, but here. And you say yeah. when we all collaborate, who's we and what do you mean by collaborate? My thoughts about collaboration have grown greatly over the years. Um, it means everyone, not just all sectors of government. Um, government's important. Government um, is, is uh, tasked with the job of public safety. So anybody in government that tasked, that has that task must be at the table in a real way. But we can't do it just there. You have to have community at your table as well. And community have to have an empowered role at your table so that um, it's not your table, it's theirs. Melissa, you took over the violence reduction programs in 2021. How do you see this? How big of a challenge do you see the city facing right now? It's a huge challenge, but what is comforting to know is that we all have the right pieces in place. We just have to coordinate them and get them to work together. We now have a police department that is willing to share information with civilians so that we can actually deploy social service agencies at victims of non-fatal shootings and families of homicide victims. And that's a big change, right? Yes, that is a huge change, a huge change. Now we have a mayor's office that is willing to dedicate his staff to this very important function. We have over dozens of social service providers that are lending their resources and their talent to assist the city in this function. And we also have Jackson County Combat, who is helping us with data tracking and other resources that we need to really show the effectiveness of, of our work. So you're describing a situation in the city where the page a page has been turned here. Absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah. You know, um, Gene, this might be a good time to ask a question that always seems to come up in conversations like this, which is, why does Kansas City struggle so much to get a handle on violent crime? I mean, what is it about our town that makes us so prone to as much violence as we always see here? I get asked this question a lot, and 
Um, I think it's important to tell people Kansas Cityans are not just more violent than um, other people around uh, the United States. We live in a violent city. We have historically experienced high levels of violence, so this is not a new thing. Um, there are a couple of, of recent factors that I think edge that violence number up to what we are experiencing right now. Things like what? Um, well, losing a gun law um, in 2017, the end of 2017, the gun law was removed from us. That took from police the opportunity to stop people um, with a probable cause regarding, you know, gun, gun possession. You have to wait till the crime occurs. <laughs> uh, so that was a really bad decision, um, one that it, it took a little while to really take root, and we are feeling it now. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, guns become a greater problem in cities where the, there is no ability to regulate guns in a sensible way. I grew up on a farm in a little town called Frankenstein, Missouri. The gun laws that we have in Kansas City work great for Frankenstein, Missouri, but they don't work great for Kansas City. So that's why we are plagued with uh, higher rates of violence. So it's gun laws, but other major cities are in states with gun laws similar to ours. So I still sort of am left wondering, what is it about Kansas City? Yeah, guns are one factor and not um, the only factor. They're one. If we had some sensible regulation, it would help us, okay? So uh, we're looking for adding tools in our toolbox. Sensible gun regulation would help. But that's up to the General Assembly, and you're not holding your breath over that. Heck no. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm not. So what else can we do? Because they're not going to help us. Um, In fact, they do things that actually harm us. So what else can we do? What other tools can we add to our toolbox? True collaboration. Um, Melissa, Melissa mentioned uh, information sharing, and sadly, that's a new concept. Um, but it is a concept that we started doing at some point last year, and collaboration in a in a real sense. That's those are all important important uh, pieces to the puzzle. We also need a crime reduction plan. We need a plan. So, um, you know, I'm not here to look back. But we did have a plan once upon a time. It was effective for a time in Kansas City. That the No plan, Violence Alliance you're talking about? That's correct. Mm-hmm. That plan got thrown out, tossed out, and nothing was put in its place. So can we really sit here and be surprised that violence left to just, you know, be violent? <laughs> you know, right. We just left it for what it was. Um, when you don't try with a plan – a thoughtful, academically um, tested, and a rigorous plan, you should expect violence rates are going to go up. So that's one of the other factors that happened here in Kansas City. As Melissa also said, though, or someone said, the page has been flipped, and um, I think we're we're ready in hmm. Kansas City to do something different. Well, let's talk about this new program we have on our hands here, Melissa. What is Partners for Peace? Tell us about it. Absolutely. Partners for Peace is a collaboration, once again, between the city of Kansas City, Jackson County Combat, um, KCPD, and over dozens of social service providers that operates off of real-time police intelligence. So we essentially go over all of the shootings, fatal and non-fatal, that happened the week prior, and then a 
assemble response teams of social service providers to intervene in crime that could be retaliatory. So let's say, for example, um, a person gets shot. His brother is trying to revenge his brother's homicide or shooting. And instead of the brother feeling like he needs to take on justice himself, what does it look like if we get him connected with the job? If we get him connected to affordable child care, if we get him connected to conflict resolution skills can, that a lot that of our really young people overcome the emotion in the moment of that revenge factor that so many people uh, feel? Absolutely. Because if you look at the uh, daily homicide tracker on KCPD's website, the leading cause of homicide is argument. Argument. Simply KCR did a big series on that. Once. Yes. Yeah. Simply a conflict that cannot be resolved in an emotionally intelligent way. What does it look like if we actually equip people that have not had those tools their entire lives with that information on how to better resolve a conflict without resorting to violence? I think that is where we're going to see a substantial change. The earlier we can get to students, the quicker we can get to individuals that are already ingrained in crime, the better off we will be. And do we have the personnel to do uh, what you're talking about to deploy these resources on the streets as quickly as you're talking about? We could always use more, but thanks to our dozens of social service providers that, like I said, have devoted their own staff, their own time, their own resources, we are pulling them together and making it happen. How many people are we talking about here? I mean... Well, we started Partners for Peace in August of 2021. And at year's end, we had already referred 150 individuals. And so that's not a drop in the bucket. um, But we also have a lot more landscape and and terrain to cover. How do you identify other people who might be prone to committing violent crime? I mean, the revenge factor is the obvious thing. A brother or a sister of a victim of a shooting Are there other things you look at to help identify where potential areas of uh, crime might pop up? Absolutely. So focus deterrence, KCPD has been doing a form of focus deterrence, even though it's not directly aligned with an overall plan. They let us know if they're making contact with somebody on one of their custom notifications that needs help. Family members of homicide victims also refer other family members to us. We are also creating a relationship with KCPS so that we have a referral pipeline from the school system itself, as well as neighborhood association leaders. A neighborhood association leader knows way better than we do or KCPD does of who are the troublemakers in their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Who is the homeless person at the corner that is harassing people that we can connect to help and potentially deter any future criminal behavior? You know, Gina, as as Melissa's sitting here talking, and as you have mentioned here, there was a program once upon a time, the No Violence Alliance, that was doing similar types of work. Mm -hmm. How similar is this new program, Partners for Peace, to what we've seen before? Um, well, it's similar. I see it as sort of the the new generation of of KC Nova. What we have been lacking, and we've been waiting, um, appropriately waiting, I think, for a new police chief to come in and that police chief, you know, to be part of this overall effort, part of the plan. And what is that violence reduction plan going to look like? Are we going to do focused deterrence? Or are we going to pick another kind of effort to do? But it is important um, that we are all at the table together making those decisions together with community like those neighborhood um, uh, leaders that Melissa talked about, that they are really critical as, you know, to be part of this dialogue, part of the planning, not just that, but also helping us design it. What should it look like for Kansas City? How do we, how do we roll this out? Because if your community doesn't believe in the type of program you're rolling out, it, it simply won't work no matter how good it is. 
And, and just to reiterate a point here, the Kansas City Police Department is on board, is cooperating now, and that's the big change that yeah. from recent <laughs> years, right? That's yes, that's what we're that's, talking about here. That's a doozy of one. Uh-huh. Yes, that is that's a huge piece. Now, um, police can't do this alone either, but. But you can't do it when police and community are at war with each other. And that, golly, that was, that's been really painful and difficult to watch uh, the, the past several years. I think we have turned from that. We have turned away from that type of dialogue and that there is a true uh, willingness to come together and work together. You know, I don't want to dredge up old stuff either, but just so I understand here, the, the former chief, Rick Smith, turned away from the No Violence Alliance, this program that was similar. Why? What, what was the rationale that was given at the time? Because I'm hearing this conversation today, I'm struggling to understand why we ever walked away from it to begin with. I'm not sure why, because I, I never got a, uh, I think, a real clear okay. uh, dialogue about that. But my guess is, from being there and watching, is that his philosophy was much more of a uh, police don't ask permission, police do um, to, they think they're they're the greatest experts, and so they do, and you accept it. Yeah. And that just, it's never worked. So, you know, that's why I say we really want community Um, at this table, helping design and build this plan. We'll be right back. If you're just joining us this morning, you're listening to Up to Date. We're talking about a new uh, program aimed at taking aim at violence in our community. That program is called Partners for Peace. Jean Peters-Baker, the Jackson County prosecutor, is here in the studio with me. So is Melissa Johnson. She leads Partners for Peace. She's deputy chief of, of staff to Mayor Quentin Lucas. Melissa, you were saying that a few minutes ago that uh, community leaders, uh, neighborhood association presidents know best what's going on in their community. These. If one of them this morning decides or recognizes they have a problem in their neighborhood and they make a phone call, how quickly can they get the support that they're looking for? Absolutely. They would just need to give us the name, phone number, date of birth of the individual and delineate their needs. We would then send them to the Midtown Striving Hub, which is sponsored by Jackson County Combat. And based on their residential address, they will get assigned to a service provider. And that so entire Midtown, process. What again? What did you- Midtown Striving Hub. Striving is a program administered by Jackson County Combat, which essentially has different hubs in different parts of the city. There's a south uh, part of Kansas City hub, and um, it operates out of a building, and essentially anybody that's around that residential address of the hub can get assigned to a social service provider to make it convenient for them when they're trying to access those services. So there are these clearing houses all over the city now. Correct. How many of them are there all together? Correct. Jean, I believe there are five striving hubs. I think that's correct. Um, yeah. And we, we could build a new one, you know, in an area that we feel like um, has a need, but we've tried to put those hubs in places where we felt there was high need and a low level of service delivery being provided. Now, Melissa, you have said that you're not trying to recreate KC Nova, the No Violence Alliance that was in place a few years ago. 
What are you going to do differently here? What is different about this? Absolutely. And so um, Casey Nova in 2014 was very much so group focused. So they would focus on an individual and all of their known associates and bring them to call-ins to kind of have similar conversations that we're having with them now. Hey, we have this wide array of social services that we can pr- that we can offer you. But if you don't play ball, there is a high chance that you will be enforced upon. Well, now we're just focusing on the individual because I know that there were some community concerns in 2014 about casting this wide net um, across the community and bringing people into call-ins that didn't really need to be there. Well, now we're focusing on individuals. Who are the persistent violent offenders? Who are the direct individuals that are affected by crime? And how do we wrap around them with the help that they need instead of casting these wide nets? Are other cities doing this? Absolutely. So we're taking best uh, examples from around the country here in Kansas City. Yes, and this is also a direct um, suggestion from the Department of Justice through the Public Safety Partnership Program. Um, They sent DOJ professionals to Kansas City for about three years and told us that we have to focus on not just enforcement, but prevention and intervention as well. And Partners for Peace is essentially the body or the organization tasked with carrying out that strategic plan that the DOJ blessed us with. You know, Gene, what's amazing to me about this conversation is for, I don't know how many years now, now, when I've sat at this table with the mayor, with other community leaders, and asked what's being done to address this scourge of rising violent crime in our community, there wasn't much of an answer. And at least today, I'm hearing a very different uh, response here. There is something in place that appears to be concrete and appears to be moving in the right direction. I believe that. I also think, though, that there have been some positive things that occurred even over the last five years when violence really seemed to get out of hand in Kansas City. But those things were that we we kept our collaboration together, that No Violence Alliance has, has reformed um, into this uh, Partners for Peace effort that we're doing now. But we kept it together, even though we were not working together terribly well. Sometimes those rooms were awfully tense, I can tell you, because I was in them. Right. And But we still felt it was important to keep the ethic of meeting and get, you know keeping ourselves together. So it, we did some smart things, even through the really hard years, the very tense years, because I got to witness how very hard it was to get that collaboration started. So I didn't want to end it just because we weren't getting along so well. I'm not sure our community really understood just how, just to what extent there was a breakdown between the police department and the rest of the community when it came to coming up with a program like this. You know, I don't want to, it it is, um, the police department was very difficult personally for me um, with my whole department, uh, the Jackson County Prosecutor's Office, it was difficult. But it, it was also the board. Um, I listened in on your show when you had the members of, of the board, yeah. the board of police commissioners on your show. And I, uh, to be blunt, I, I gasp. I thought, yeah, it was breathtaking. Wow, that is, we're in trouble. Yeah, we're in we're in trouble. So I I want everyone's voice to be to be part of this. I want if if there's a new uh, board of police commissioners that are coming together, there's some seats that are open. Boy, it'd be great. <laughs> it would be great if they um, did the work to educate themselves about the parts of the city that are really vulnerable to crime and learn those parts of the city Um have an empathetic voice for those parts of the city, too. That's your job. And it's my job 
it's their job. And, and if we could look at it that way, I think we could just move the ball further down the field here. We should try to get some of those board members back on the program here. Let's go to some phone calls. Uh, let's go to Hogan from uh, Kansas City. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing, Steve? I'm well. Thanks for calling. I hear that. Thank you very much for taking my call. Go ahead. Uh, uh, yes, I am calling because uh, I have done a lot of research in regard to elderly fraud and elderly neglect. Uh, my mom had just passed away uh, almost a year ago. She was a victim of elderly fraud and elderly neglect within our family. Uh, when I call KCPD, uh, Kansas City, Missouri Ad Hoc, and Department of Senior Services, uh, the, uh, the diligence to follow up on elderly fraud, uh, especially on the KCPDN, is basically non-existent. Uh, even with the fraud department, there is no follow-up when it comes to elderly fraud, elderly neglect. Uh, and in my own family, I've seen this uh, come close to, you know, I've had a baseball bat pulled on me. Uh, you know, this could lead to other violence. You know, I think everybody's had a family situation where an elderly person's passed away and things get extremely crazy because there's so much love for that person. I was just wondering, giving that KCPD, uh, Kansas City, Missouri ad hoc, and uh, Department of Senior Services really do not follow up on this, Right? would this agency do so? What would you say to Hawk and uh, Melissa to help them out here? Absolutely. It's something that we certainly could look into. Um, you know, everybody's needs are not um, the same. And so we've had to kind of step outside of traditional resources that we provide. I mean, just last week, we paid a um, department apartment deposit for a woman whose husband was killed in their home and she just could not remain there. Now, is that normally something that we would do, especially since the RFP for the Victim and Witness Relocation Fund has not gone out? No. But did we figure it out yeah. Absolutely. So I would love to get your contact information and potentially look in that, into that for you. I, I really would appreciate that. I've started a uh, petition in regards to that because uh, I, 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 I've gone back and forth with KCPD for the last two years. And, uh, you know, literally when I'm talking to their fraud department, they really just it's like if it's an elderly person, they don't want to do it's almost not worthwhile. It's you know, M- Melissa, where can, how can Hawking get a hold of you so we can continue this conversation? Absolutely. That's Melissa, M-E-L-E-S-A dot Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N at KCMO.org. All right. I really appreciate that. Good luck, Hawking. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Let's appreciate it, Steve. Yeah, you bet. Gene, how is this new program, Partners for Peace, being funded long term? How is this working? Well, um, I think it's important to say we don't wait for a, a basket of DOJ money to come in the door before we, we start working. So you expect money from the federal government? Well, <laughs> I never expect money from the federal government. Right. Um, and when the few times I've received it, it came with such strings that it, it's difficult. So I think it's important for us to try and figure out how we can pool our current resources and um, exercise um, good efforts, thought, 
thoughtful efforts and then see what else is needed. So I think what made focus deterrence work before in Kansas City and there's there's um, focus deterrence has changed in its format since we launched it in 2014. So it wouldn't be the same if it's launched again here. But what we would need to figure out is what additional needs would come with that that we can't figure out how to fund like perhaps um, an academic advisor. I think it's very, very important um, that we have a good advisor to help carry all of us through that kind of effort and adhere us to the effort of the program and and keep us on, on track and on task. You know, Melissa, I know funding is always a concern, but is there any question about the sustainability of what we're talking about here this morning? Um, there was prior to last week, but um, if you are aware, City Council approved um, placing a ballot measure on the election in April for a 3% tax on adult use recreational marijuana. Um, the ballot language that was passed by Council specifically earmarked those funds for homeless prevention, neighborhood blight removal, and violence prevention. Hmm. So if the voters approve this in April, we will have a sustainable, ongoing revenue source that is just going to increase over time to use for this very important function. And that's huge, I guess. It's huge. Yeah. Um, what are you hearing from community members uh, about this program, Gene? What you got much response? Is the community aware of this program and what's been happening? The community has been waiting and they're, uh, they've been waiting a long time. And they, um, here's my experience with community. Community, um, they have very high expectations, um, but th- this is also a very a loving and giving community. Um, they've been through a lot in the last several years. Um, well, um, more than that. <laughs> they've, they've, they have been the ones that have carried the weight of violence. The rest of us go home. Mm-hmm. Um, most most of us who work in government go back to very safe neighborhoods. So what I want to say to them is um, stick with us. Stick with us. And um, we need you. And um, we, we also want their advice and counsel as we go through this next process and how we can better serve them. I think that's, that's um, in the forefront of my mind is – how can I, as the prosecutor, better serve them? But how can I best serve them in this new collaboration? Mm-hmm. Final point, Melissa, how can the community connect with uh, Partners for Peace? How how much are you getting out in the community to let people know what's going on here? Absolutely. We're definitely going to ramp up our efforts of community engagement this year. Last year was really focused on the nuts and bolts of standing the prog- the program up and making sure that it works. Right. But we're going to be having community town halls. We know that we have a, a uphill battle. Um, the city of Kansas City is very much an institution, just like KCPD, just like the prosecutor's office. And so we know we have a lot of work to earn the community's trust, and we are absolutely willing to do that. Okay, interesting stuff, and I'm glad progress uh, looks to be in the offing here. Melissa Johnson, that was the voice you just heard. She leads Partners for Peace. She's also Deputy Chief of Staff to Mayor Lucas. Gene Peters-Baker, the Jackson County Prosecutor, also joined us this morning. Thank you both for your time very much. Always appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. Up to Date is a production of KCUR 89.3. Our theme music was composed by the great Bobby Watson. The program is produced by Danny Alexander, Zach Wilson, Elizabeth Ruiz, and Reginald David. Our engineer is Paul Nakatura. I'm Steve Kraske. Thanks for listening.